Hi there! Welcome to the first episode of a brand new series of Stories That Made Us. This second series picks up where the first series left off. While the first series was all about the myths of our creation, this second series delves into the tales of heroes of mythology. It's the stories of conquests, love, wars, and heartbreaks. The tales of men and women who, through their bravery, conviction, integrity, and strength, created the moral and social constructs that govern our lives till date. Once the world was created, as discussed in the first series, it fell to heroes and heroines to guide the race of mankind to be a better version of themselves. These are those tales, the inspirational stories of courage, selflessness, and justice that were passed down to us by our parents and grandparents. The first of our tales that we cover in Season 2 is the famous story of Kilwick and Olwen, which is a classic hero quest based during the times of the great fabled British King Arthur. The story is translated from the book The Mabinogian. Now the Mabinogian is one of the earliest compilation of stories to have come from the British Isles. Written in around 12th and 13th centuries, these tales provide a fascinating glimpse into the pre-Christian British life. This episode covers only the first part of this wonderful tale, while the next two episodes conclude our story. The book we refer to is free for use and distribution, and can be found in gutenberg.org. Check out the description for more details on the book. It is, as you'd find out, an intriguing read. So then, without further ado, let's begin our three-part tale of Kilwick and Olwen. Gilead, the son of Prince Caledon, desired a wife, and the wife that he chose was Galadid. And after their marriage, the people, his subjects, put up prayers that they might have an heir. And they had a son through the prayers of the people. From the time of her pregnancy, however, Galadid became wild and mad and wandered about aimlessly through the streets of her town. When her delivery was at hand, she went in a bout of frantic madness into the woods and to a mountain where there was a swineherd keeping a herd of swine. It was in a fetid lake near where the swineherd was that the queen delivered a boy. And the swineherd took the boy and brought him to the palace. And this boy was christened, and they called him Kilwick, because he had been found in a swine's burrow. Nevertheless, the boy was of gentle lineage and cousin unto the famous King Arthur. Now after this peculiar case of delivery, the boy's mother, Galadid, fell terribly sick. 
when in her deathbed she called her husband unto her and said to him, Of this sickness I shall die, and you will take another wife. Now wives are the gift of the Lord, but it would be wrong for you to harm your son by bringing him a stepmother. Therefore, I charge you that you do not take a wife until you see a briar with two blossoms upon my grave. And this he promised her. Then she besought him to dress her grave every year, that nothing might grow upon it. Eventually, the queen died. Now the king sent an attendant every morning to see if there were anything growing upon the grave. However, at the end of the seventh year, the master neglected that which he had promised to the queen. Then one day when the king went to hunt, he found himself inadvertently close to the burial place of his erstwhile wife Galade. Curious and wanting to know if it were time that he should take a wife, the king looked keenly at the grave, and upon it he saw the briar. And when he saw it, he knew that his oath was fulfilled, and he could now seek a new bride. Upon returning to his palace, the king took counsel about where he should find a wife. Now one of his counsellors said this, I know a wife that will suit thee well, and she is the wife of King Doggett. The court eventually resolved to go and seek this woman. Upon finding this king, Kilid's men slew the King Doggett and brought away his wife and the one daughter that she had along with them. They conquered. King Doggett's lands. Eventually, King Killet was married to this woman and they lived happily for a while. Then, on a certain day, as the newly crowned queen walked abroad, she came to the house of an old crone that dwelt in the town. Now this crone had no tooth and was known to all as a wise sorcerer. Upon reaching her hut and seeking her out, the queen said to this old woman, Pray tell me that which I shall ask of you for the love of heaven. Where are the children of the man who has carried me away by violence? He has no children, replied the crown. Then said the queen, Woe is with me that I should have come to the one who is childless. The hag then replied, You need not lament on account of that, for there is a prediction that he shall have an heir by you and by none other. Moreover, be not sorrowful, for he has one son. The new queen Upon hearing this, returned home with joy, and she asked her king and husband, Why have you concealed your child from me? The king mooted upon this question and said thoughtfully, You are right, dear, 
I will do so no longer. And he sent messengers for his son. And Kilwit was brought to the court. Upon seeing him, his stepmother said to the young boy, It'll be well for you to have a wife. And I have a daughter who is sought of every man of renown in the world. But I am not yet of an age to wed, answered the youth. Then the queen said to her stepson, I declare to you that it is your destiny not to be suited with a wife until you find and wed Olwen, the daughter of the great giant Yispadadan Pankor. And the youth blushed, and the love of the maiden diffused itself through all his frame, although he had never seen her. When his father next saw the young Kilwick, the bemused king inquired of him, What has come over you, my son? Why do you look red and flushed? My stepmother has declared to me that I shall never have a wife until I obtain Olwen, the daughter of Yispadadan Pankor, replied the young Kilwick. Upon hearing this, the king looked thoughtfully at his son. Then he claimed with a deep, resonating and reassuring voice. That, my son, will be easy for you. The great King Arthur is your cousin. Go therefore unto his kingdom, seek his audience and allow him to cut your hair. And then, Ask the hand of this maiden of him as a boon. And so, young Kilwick rode out to meet the fabled King Arthur. The youth picked a steed with head dappled grey, of four winters old, firm of limb, with shell-formed hooves, having a bridle of linked gold on his head and upon him a saddle of costly gold. And with the steed and weapons of all sorts, young Kilwick journeyed to the gates of King Arthur. Upon reaching his cousin's kingdom, he made his way to the gates of the palace. There spoke the youth, Is there a porter? There is came the reply. And if you do not hold your peace, young man, small will be your welcome. The man on the gate then went on to say, I am King Arthur's porter this day. Tell me why you are here upon our gate. Open the portal, demanded Kilwick. To this, the porter replied, I will not open it. Why not? The knife is in the meat and the drink is in the horn, replied the porter. And there is revelry in Arthur's hall, and no one may enter there but the son of a king of a privileged country or a craftsman bringing his craft. You are to stay outside the gate for the night. But do not fret, 
there will be refreshment for your dogs and horses. And for you, there will be collops cooked and prepared, and luscious wine and mirthful songs, and food for fifty men shall be brought unto you in the guest chambers where the strangers and the sons of other countries eat. You will fare no worse there than you would with Arthur in the court. And early tomorrow morning, when the gate is open for all, for you shall it be opened first, and then you may sit in Arthur's hall. Upon hearing this declaration of the porter, thus said the youth, That will not do. If you open the gate in haste, all is well. If you, however, do not open it, I will bring disgrace upon your name and your lord, and I will, with the position of my birth, bring curse upon your lord, that all the women in this palace that are pregnant shall lose their offspring, and those not pregnant, their hearts shall be turned by illness, so that they shall never bear children from this day forward. It was a while before the porter spoke again. Whatever claims, young chieftain, you may make against the laws of Arthur's palace, you shall not enter until I first go and speak with Arthur. Then the porter went into the hall and made his way straight to Arthur. King Arthur, upon seeing the porter next to him, asked curiously, Have you any news from the gate? To this the porter replied, I have been with you, my lord, for half of my life. I have gone in conquests with your army, and have fought by your side. I have seen and met many men, kings and warriors of great renown and strength. But never did I behold a man of equal dignity with him who is now at the door of the portal. King Arthur thought about his porter and gatekeeper's words, and then replied, If it is by walking that you entered in here, then return back running. Open the gates for this young brave man, and show him all the respect you would bestow upon my best and bravest knights. Serve him the best meat, and cook for him the best meat. It is unbecoming to keep such a man as you say he is in the wind and the rain. And the porter returned to the gate and opened it before him. And although all dismounted upon the horse block at the gate, young Kilwith did not. The young man rode straight in upon his charger. Kilwick made his way straight to the halls of King Arthur, and upon reaching the great king, said, Greetings be unto you, sovereign ruler of this island, and may this greeting be no less to the lowest than to the highest, and may my greetings be given equally to your guests, dear king, to your warriors and your chieftains. Greeting unto you also, said Arthur, and pray 
set between my warriors. You shall have minstrels before you, and you shall enjoy the privileges of a king born to a throne, as long as you remain here. To this greeting, replied young Kilwick, I come not seek to consume meat and drink, but to obtain the boon that I seek. If you choose to acquiesce to my request, far shall I spread your praise and renown, dear king. Then said Arthur, Since you will not remain here, young chieftain, you shall receive the boon, whatever your tongue may name. I would that you cut and blessed my hair. And so, Arthur took a golden comb and scissors, and he combed his skin's hair. And Arthur inquired of him who he was, saying, For my heart warms unto you, and I know that you are of my blood. Tell me, therefore, who are you? I will tell you, said the youth. I am Kilwick, son of Kilid, who is the son of Prince Caledon, by Goladid, my mother, the daughter of Prince Anlod. Then it is true, said Arthur, you are indeed my cousin. Let it be known that whatever boon you may ask, you shall receive, be it whatever it may that your tongue shall name. Pledge the truth of heaven and the faith of thy kingdom upon your words. I pledge it to you gladly. I crave of you then, dear king, that you obtain for me Olwen, the daughter of Yispadadan Penkor. And this boon I likewise seek at the hands of your warriors. Then said Arthur, O oh, my young cousin, I have never heard of the maiden of whom you speak, nor of her kindred or indeed of this man Yispadadan Pankor but I will gladly send messengers in search of her. Give me time to seek her. To this young Kilwick then said, I will willingly grant from this night to that at the end of the year to do so. Then Arthur sent messengers to every land within his dominions to seek for the maiden, and at the end of the year, Arthur's messengers returned without having gained any knowledge or intelligence concerning Owen more than on the first day. Now Kilwick returned to Arthur at the end of the year, and finding no progress in locating Owen, he said angrily, Everyone has received his boon, and yet I lack mine. I will depart your gates and bear away your honour with me. Now in the hall was present Sir Kai, King Arthur's foster brother, his seneschal, and a knight of the round table. Sir Kai was present throughout this exchange, both on this day and that a year before. Rash chieftain! Sir Kai's voice boomed. 
Do you dare reproach Arthur? Do you think we have forgotten of the oath of our Lord? Then come with us, and we will not part until you either confess that the maiden exists not in the world, or until we obtain her. Thereupon Sir Kai rose up. The great knight Sir Kai had this peculiarity that his breath lasted nine nights and nine days under water, and he could exist nine nights and nine days without sleep. A wound from Kai's sword no physician could heal. Very subtle was Kai. When it pleased him, he could render himself as tall as the highest tree in the forest. And he had another peculiarity. So great was the heart of his nature that when it rained hardest, whatever Sir Kai carried remained dry for a handbreadth above and a handbreadth below his hand. And when his companions were coldest, he was to them the fuel with which to light their fire. Arthur then called Bedward who never shrank from any enterprise upon which Kai was bound. No one was equal to Bedwyr in swiftness throughout this island except for Arthur. And although Bedwyr was one-handed, three warriors could not shed blood faster than he on the field of battle. His lance would produce a wound equal to those of nine opposing lances. And Arthur then called Kindelik the guide. Go you upon this expedition with the chieftain, said the king, for there was no one who was as good a guide as him. Arthur then called Gwirhir because he knew all tongues. The king also called Gwalkmai because he never returned home without achieving the adventure for which he went in quest. Gwalkmai was the best of footmen and the best of knights. He was a nephew to Arthur, the son of his sister and his cousin. And Arthur then called Menu, so that if they went to a savage country, this sorcerer might cast a charm and an illusion over them, so that no one might see them while they could see everyone. So this was the fellowship of men who assisted young Kilwick in his quest to find Olwen. They journeyed until they came to a vast open plain, where they saw a great castle. Now this castle was the fairest of all the castles of the world. The men journeyed that day until the evening, and when they thought they were near the castle, they were no nearer to it than they had been in the morning. And the second and the third day they journeyed, and even then scarcely could they reach so far. Finally, when they came before the castle, the band of men beheld a vast flock of sheep, which was boundless and without an end. And upon the top of the mound there was a herdsman keeping the sheep. 
there was a rug made of sheepskin upon the shepherd, and by his side was a shaggy mastiff, larger than a steed nine winters old. Never had this shepherd lost even a lamb from his flock, much less a large sheep. He let no vocation ever pass without doing some hurt and harm. All the dead trees and bushes in the plain he burned with his breath down to the very ground. Upon seeing this shepherd and his vast flock, the group of men led by Kilwick and Sir Kai stopped. Then Sir Kai turned to Girir and said, Go you to the shepherd. Kai, said Sir Girir, I'd rather not go further than you would yourself. Well then, let's go together, answered Sir Kai. Then said Menwu the sorcerer, Fear not to go to that man. For I will cast a spell upon the dog, so that the animal shall injure no one. And so they went to the mound where the herdsman was, and they said to him, How do you fare, O herdsman? Whose are the sheep that you keep? And to whom does that castle belong? Stupid are you, truly, replied the herdsman mockingly. Through the whole world it is known that this is the castle of Yispadadan Penkor. Oh, and who are you? then asked Sir Kai. I am called Kustenin, and my brother Yispadadan Penkor oppressed me because of my possessions. And you also, who are you? We are an embassy from Arthur, come to seek the hand of Olman, the daughter of Yispadadan Penkor. O man, the mercy of heaven be upon you, replied Kustenin the herdsman. Do not do that for all the world. No one who ever came here on this quest has returned alive. Saying this, the herdsman rose up, and as he rose, Kilwith gave unto him a ring of gold. The herdsman Kustenin sought to put on the ring, but it was too small for him, so he placed it in the finger of his glove. And he then went home and gave the glove to his spouse. She took the ring from the glove when it was given to her, and she said, From where came this ring? For you are not known to have good fortune. I went said Kustenin the herdsman, to the sea to seek for some fish. And lo, there was a corpse borne by the wave, and a fairer corpse than it did I never behold. And from its finger did I take this ring. O oh man, does the sea permit its dead to wear jewels? Show me then this body. O oh wife, him to whom this ring belonged, you shall see here in the evening. 
I shall see a dead man here in the evening. What do you mean, husband? replied the wife. Oh, I speak of Kilwick, the son of Kilid, the son of Prince Caledon, by Goledid, the daughter of Prince Anlaud. He is alive and well now, but he's as good as dead if he sought to accomplish the quest he is on. And what quest might that be? asked the wife. <laughs> he has come to seek Owen as his wife. And when the wife of the shepherd heard that, her feelings were divided between the joy that she had, that her nephew, the son of her sister, was coming to her, and sorrow, because she had never known any depart alive who had come on that quest. Now the expedition of King Arthur went forward and up to the gate of Custenin, the herdsman's dwelling. And when the wife of Custenin heard their footsteps approaching, she ran out with joy to meet them. Guy, seeing her, snatched a billet out of his carry-bag, and when she met them, she sought to throw her arms upon their necks. And Kai placed the log between her two hands, and she squeezed it so that it became a twisted coil. Oh, woman, said Sir Kai laughing, if you had squeezed me thus, none could have ever set their affections on me. After the greetings and salutations were done, the group entered into the herdsman's house, and were served sumptuous meals. And soon after, they all went forth to amuse themselves. Then the herdsman's wife opened a stone chest that was before the chimney corner, and out of it arose a youth with yellow curling hair. Seeing this man, said Gwerhir, Why is this young boy hidden? To this replied the herdswoman, We hide him from Yespadadan Pencor. It is a pity to hide this youth, then said Sir Kai. I know that it is not his own crime for which he is hidden. He is my only remaining child, then said the woman. Twenty-three of my sons had Yespadadan Pencor slain and I have no more hope of this one than of the others. I try my best to keep him safe, but as soon as Pankor hears of him, he shall come forth to slay my son. Upon hearing this, then said Kai, Let this young man come and be a companion with me, and he shall not be slain unless I am also slain with him. The woman then asked them, Upon what errand do you come here? We come to seek Owen for this youth, said Sir Kai, pointing at Kilwick. Then said the woman, In the name of heaven, this is madness. This quest is a folly. Since no one from the castle has yet seen you, return again from where you came. Heaven is our witness, 
that we will not return until we have seen the maiden," said Kai. "Does she ever come here so that she may be seen?" "She comes here every Saturday to wash her hair, and in the vessel where she washes, she leaves all her rings, and she never either comes herself or sends any messengers to fetch them." Will she come here if she is sent to? Then said Sir Kai, "Heaven knows that I will not destroy my soul, nor will I betray those that trust me, unless you will, good sir, pledge me with your faith that you will not harm her." We pledge it," said the group of men. And so a message was sent, and she came. The maiden that came upon hearing the message was clothed in a robe of flame-colored silk, and about her neck was a collar of gold on which were precious emeralds and rubies. More yellow was her head than the flower of the bloom, and her skin was whiter than the foam of the wave, and fairer were her hands and her fingers than the blossoms of the wood. Amidst the spray of the meadow fountain, whosoever beheld this maiden was filled with her love, and this maiden was called Olwen. She entered the house and sat beside Kilwick upon the foremost bench, and as soon as he saw her, he knew her, and Kilwick said unto her, "Ah, maiden." You are she whom I have loved. Come away with me, lest they speak evil of you and of me. Many a day have I dreamt of you, and many a day have I loved you. I cannot do this," replied Olwen, "for I have pledged my faith to my father not to go without his counsel." For his life will last only until the time of my espousals. Whatever is, must be. But I will give you advice if you will take it. Go ask me of my father, and that which he shall require of you, grant it. And in doing so, you will obtain me. But if you deny him anything, you will not obtain me. I promise all this, if occasion offers," said young Kilwin. Olwen then returned to her castle and to her chambers, and all the men of King Arthur got up and followed her to the castle. They slew the nine porters that were guarding the nine gates in silence, for the porters had barred their entry. And then the men slew the nine watchdogs without one of them barking. Finally, the envoy of King Arthur, led by Sir Kai, went forward to the hall. The greeting of heaven and of man be unto thee. Yispadadan Pankor," said Sir Kai. To which the Lord of the Castle replied, "And to you too, good sirs, 
From where have you come? We have come to ask the hand of your daughter Olwen for Kilwith, the son of King Kilid, the son of Prince Kelidon. Upon hearing this, Yispadad and Pencor sat quietly upon the throne for a while. And then he said, Come here tomorrow, and you shall have an answer. So then, that is all for this episode. Join us again next week to hear the next part of the tale. If the tale has whet your appetite to learn more about the Celts, then why not check out the Celtic creation myths in episode 8 of the first season. Finally, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a feedback. We are quite active on Twitter and Instagram. So why not connect with us by using the handle at stories THD MDE US. That's at stories THD MDE US for both Twitter and Instagram. You may also email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com. I'll see you again next week. Until then, goodbye.